Hi, it's Adrian here. I want to share with you something really exciting. I've just recorded a series for the AIA Austin, Texas, their homes tour, which comes up at the end of October. Now, this is a tour where you can register and go and visit these amazing homes. I've recorded each of the architects and they've told us about the journey through the home. And in it, there is just so many wonderful little nuances that they share with you. I encourage you to listen. I encourage you to go on the tour. And thanks for being a listener on Talk Design. On this AIA Austin Homes Tour series, we have something really special here. I have Greg and Frank from Moon Tower. Now, Moon Tower is a design and build firm. And they have created a wonderful house, which is actually Greg's own home. So, when you go and see it, you can see where Greg's really living. And it is called Cross Cabin. And now I don't want to dig too quickly into what it is. I want the guys to tell us about it. This is something that when you go to this home, you're going to get such a different journey than from most homes. In this one, we want you to really take time to feel the home and feel physically feel it as well as subconsciously feel it. And we'll explain this as we go. So Greg, Frank, welcome to Talk Design and this special series. I think that this home is a, a piece of the future and it undoubtedly is. It's not just happening where you guys are, it's happening around the world. It's a movement, it's a change in what's happening with building. And I think that it adds so much value and the opportunity for people to come and experience it it's just amazing. So welcome. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Let's dig in to the thought values behind the house first, and then I want to take people on a journey of their arriving at the home. But tell us about everything from the the materiality, the way it is. And I really love, we were talking before about Michael Pollan and the, I suppose, journey of this when you journey it against the story of food i think that that's really valuable because it's something that everybody understands or has been exposed to in some sense of education yeah absolutely yeah i'll, I'll start here and when we started designing and brainstorming about this house we were thinking about you know big scale problems like climate change like mm -hmm. hey, if i put climate impact if i put climate change first when i'm designing and building a home what do i come up with and that also led to other questions like where do buildings come from i really doing, love this yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, doing, doing, and you know and doing reading like you know reading things that were either about climate change and the reading things that were very specifically about the building industry about architecture we really gravitated towards plant-based materials and this plant-based materials isn't like in opposition to meat-based materials. It was really like, okay, when you use plant-based materials, and that's where getting back to this, where do buildings come from question? It's like buildings come from, if you're talking about new building materials, they're coming from farms, they're coming mm -hmm. from forests, or they're coming from mines. And when you're talking about materials from farms and forests, so farms could be straw, could be hemp and forests, you know, wood's the big one. Uh, and cork is also something we're going to talk about. 
Um, but you're talking about something that you're taking carbon out of the atmosphere through photosynthesis and you're putting it into a useful building block, a useful building material. So there's a carbon negative climate positive impact there. And then when you're talking about mineral based materials, you're talking about things that you're going deep into the ground for, you know, you know, gypsum or going deep into the ground for, you know, petro, you know, petroleum or, you know, fossil fuels to make foams, et cetera. But yeah. there's almost always a, there's a, it's, you're taking carbon that's been stored for thousands or millions of years in the earth's crust and you're moving it above into, you know, basically into the atmosphere and putting a whole bunch of energy into it. So you're having something that has a much larger kind of carbon impact. But in any case, this focus on plant-based materials was really like our starting point here. And thinking about you know, my background, like when I got out of architecture school, I actually ran a farmer's market for a couple of years. And I, you know, kind of became exposed to Michael Pollan and his ideas about the local food, food movement and all that. And in that, he has this book called Food Rules, and he throws out like a simple eight word rule for eating in a way that's good for your personal well-being, as well as the well-being of the you know, kind of ecosystem that you're a part of. And that rule is eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. Yep. And early on in this process, we were thinking like, okay, what if you extrapolate that to buildings? So build with real materials, uh -huh. not too many, mostly plants. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of a, you know, I'm not, not great at being succinct always. So yes, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a really great synergy though, to take, you know, that ethos and say, how does that look? So you, you might do it for your own health as a human. How does that look if we take that own health for a human and supplant it into the built environment and say, how do I take those values and apply them here? And that's what you've done. And, 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 you know, cross cabins, a, it, it's a manifestation of that journey. Yeah, it is. And it's been, you know, a long journey for us and kind of just figuring out as well, then like how at the end of this, like, do these ideas translate into compelling architecture? That that's an interesting thought as well. So take me down that rabbit hole a little bit with, yes, we've got these, this idea of and this I'm going to say thing that we're going to discipline ourselves to as in the materiality and the thought of how the building is then take me into the architectural space of that like did it does it limit the architectural space does it limit other than making choices like could you choose this to be 10 times the size could it be can the materiality carry that you want to take that, Frank? It's it's scalable. Uh, yeah. That's kind of one of the questions for sure. And it, it starts in a commercial background, right? Like the kind of core of Cross Cabin, the house, is a structural system on cross-laminated timbers. And that's the inspiration for the, for the name, cross-laminated timber. And Cabin being a historic and kind of, and experiential homegrown. Too, right? experiential yeah. yeah yeah being the other part right so we've got a legacy you know of, of simple structure I'm thinking of the simple structures the folk like kind of folk art or folk yeah. folk work is the 
is that, that part of the cabin. So for us looking at it at the residential scale, that, that's the, that's the, the moniker. But yes, it is scalable in terms of they're starting to do tall buildings out of wood and have been in, in Europe, uh, but it's becoming more common here in the States. There's another kind of commercial project that went up maybe, I think, eight years ago in the, on the east side of Austin, where this project is located. There's another multifamily building that's being built out of cross-laminated timber that's, I think, just finishing up in, in this east Austin neighborhood as well. And for us, scaling down to this project, working at Moon Tower, we've been always interested in the kind of sustainability at the, you know, at the scale of our city. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that has been thinking small. It's not always about building the biggest possible house. And it's also about using the resources that we already have. And at the urban scale, uh, we already have all these roads, all this infrastructure that's for, for the most part, these are old suburban kind of neighborhoods in central Austin. Yeah. And so we want to use those larger uh, land lot sizes and some of the rules that allow us to maybe add more doors. Uh, which hopefully is getting better and better, kind of like the local politics. But in this case, you, when you approach this uh, project, you're looking for it. It's hidden behind a house. It's yes. in a neighborhood that already has a context built out. And what we did was opportunistically build build behind an existing single family house. So you infilled, yeah, which is a global trend. Like this, you know, in the urban city spaces infill so that the infrastructure obviously works i want to say harder or it works to more of its capacity and yeah it kind of optimize it yeah yeah exactly it's it's i was gonna say it's a it's a brave journey i don't know whether it's a brave journey or a noble journey i think it's both when you do this and we we talked previously just a little bit about the fact of you know what does this house uh, represent in terms of health and and the health of the people who have a from worked on it or farmed the original things through to the people who live in it um take me on that journey a little as well yeah well there's a really practical side you know of of our past and as a design build firm we're not only architects we're also the builders yeah. And early on when we, we co-founded it, you know, Greg and I and our co-founder Jeff were 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 the framers, we were the demo crews, we were, we were wearing a lot of hats. And, uh, and our do, team. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> said legal, do. not illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just been a lot of, uh, of reps, you know, like more than a hundred houses that we've that we've worked on. There's almost always been demolition because we're infill and we're working working with existing conditions so often. And our team, you know, when it wasn't us, you know, like oh, we're doing this, like put on our gloves, put on our long sleeve shirts, we do it, we're itchy afterwards, we deal with it. But then, you know, as you see your team and your subcontractors, kind of demolition is never fun. But there's a lot of parts of the process that aren't fun, they aren't pretty, they're hard mm-hmm. work, and they're often caustic. So our main company, right, we still are working within a lot of these these realms where we feel like we have a little less agency due to the kind of budget constraints, timeline constraints, project constraints, et cetera. And we'll always try to lean towards and push towards the healthiest things that we can do. But one of the fun things that after we had initially done a design that was a, was more based in our kind of like what we know how to do and what is predictable from a price standpoint, yep. Greg, Greg took it on his back to say, 
what if we flip it on its head? What if we do everything from a, a more health and climate positive standpoint? So now when you look at using plants predominantly, all of the, from the extraction to the craftsperson installing it has a, a healthier relationship with their environment, yeah. at their workplace. Yeah. I love that. Greg, you, you, yeah. I mean, it's something, Greg's, yeah, something Greg's done a lot of the fabrication. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Something I said like early on in this process was like, I didn't want to do anything on the house that I wasn't up for doing myself. And yeah, there's, stuff that we do on, you know, there's chemicals that we use, like sometimes in our houses where like, I don't really, like, I, I yeah. don't really want to use this. Like, I wouldn't want my daughter to use this. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and, and it's, and it's just part of like, it's, it's just part of, con you know, it's just part of, con like, it's part of building. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's chemicals. It's like, it's what it is. Like, all right, we're to get, let's go, let's go build some shit. Like, let's go do, get some stuff done. And that's, you know, and there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of things that are awesome about that spirit. You know, what we're trying to do is, but also it's like, okay, like, no, like we don't have to like compromise our long-term health through using things that are, you know, these synthetic chemicals that if you, I was like, oh, this chemical's in here. I'm going to Google this. And they're like, oh, here's a little CDC like webpage about this. <laughs> Oh yeah, that you know, possibly carcinogenic is definitely a serious like respiratory irritant. Like it's like, oh, like, you know, you know, but we could be like, oh, well, this is just what we're doing, you know. So yeah. let's it's just how we build things. This is like everybody else is, you know, it's also the high school mentality, is the kind of how I put it. Is like, well, if everybody else is doing this, it must be cool. <laughs> it must be legal. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, it's like, oh no, like let's actually let's let's think about this and does it actually have to be this way and you know it's yeah and that is a that's a tougher you know that's a tougher road it also yeah. then makes a house that's healthier to live in as well it does in a lot of yeah in a lot of different ways is the simple you know the simple fact of like you know when you're building a house you're creating your own little fishbowl of air to like live in and yep. so like you don't want to be bringing in things that have you know, off gas, you know, toxic chemicals or VOCs or things that like, you know, aren't good for you. So there's, you know, in this case, it's like, okay, yeah, it's just like wood straight out of a tree and cork and, you know, a very kind of like small list, a very limited palette of like natural materials that we're using inside the house. The wood's not sealed either. It's like the floor has a linseed oil on it. So it's a natural, like, again, plant-based oil on it. It's not a polyurethane. And then the wood is the walls and and sealing are also un unsealed so it's still mm -hmm. just totally like natural wood but yeah like you're so you're just interacting with kind of materials from you know from nature and then you get into the larger kind of concept of biophilic design which yeah. the you know biophilic design you know the definition you know loosely is that uh, as you know as humans we are drawn to things from nature like and we feel more comfortable when we're around things from nature and there's been hundreds of studies when it pertains to something like wood, like, you know, the, the house is basically a big, you know, a big wood box, the big cross laminated timber box, like Frank was saying. And there's been plenty of studies done where it's like, oh, if you have somebody in a space that's where you're surrounded by natural wood rather than surrounded by you know drywall or synthetic materials, it's like, oh, people's stress levels, you know, kind of stress levels go down. Their cognitive uh, responses go up. There, yes, you know, stress oh, levels, a whole blood lot of pressure that happened. Yeah, yeah. heart yeah. heart rate, 
like all these just like yeah. base level like kind of you know measures it's like yeah there's been you know we're not going to go into this on on this podcast but yeah like if you look into it there's there's a ton of yeah a for, ton pe of there, so. for people who are interested in that like do some just google biophilic design and you'll see it was named i think in about 86 and yeah. or, or labeled in about 86 and these studies, you know, from classrooms to offices to homes to all kinds of different places and how your body, your human body reacts to being in these spaces makes a big difference. And it's one of those crazy things that, you know, back in the 70s, people put a few plants around the house and they did that long before then as well. But I seem to remember that was probably the, the time when we suddenly it became a, a boom and it wasn't because of biophilic design, but it did set up a lot of what people got to study after that and the effects that it had, you know, for it getting named and stuff. And the other one on that is the building biology. So what I want to do is I want to go from the outside of this house now and we're, we're arriving in the street and we tell us the journey of how the house will reveal itself. And places to pause and notice how maybe the construction's different and things about it are different, what to look for. So that if you're listening to this and you're going on the journey to go and see the house and where to take your first sort of pause and breath and then look at it and go, ah, oh, and examine what's happening. And then I want to get you right through to the inside, like you said. So, you know, this house smells, it's, it, it's got a, I shouldn't say it's a, good smell or a bad smell it's got a smell of the timber which is so beautiful and the fact that it's got linseed oil it's got that as well it's got all these different pieces that keep it very natural so take me away sure. I, i'd love to talk about the approach yeah in terms of you know you kind of come at it it's up on a slight hill and there's a, a series of trees that it's built you know, mindfully of and I love that because the gray silver bark of the trees is going to be the first thing that complements the the cork siding and it's silvered and kind of brown from from its process of manufacturing which is heated up and that releases the superin sap glue and that's the only thing that binds it but this whole house is covered in cork and that's the first thing that you'll see and if you're lucky if the wind is blowing from the, the, the southeast, you'll smell the cork as well. Oh, truly? Uh, it's truly. It's a unique kind of, I don't, I, think, I don't drink coffee, but I think of it as kind of nutty or, you know, it just has a, a woodsy smell to it. It's not like pine or, or fir. Um, oh, yeah. It is unique. I was talking to somebody uh, who just picked up uh, some cork uh, from us because we actually, we sell cork as well, which yeah. uh, it's, is another thing. But uh, yeah, he's like, man, like this kind of reminds me of bourbon. And I was like, well, like pork, pork is an oak tree. Like it's in, it's a distant, you know, probably a distant cousin of the like American oaks. Yep. But there's, there's a, there's some little, the black chunks in this, are like in the, in the cork, there's like these black fragments here and there. And that's actually smoked oak. You can see, it looks like Shosugibon. It's just like oh, black. Really? Like, yeah, dark yeah, smell is like, I'm like, yeah, well, it's, it's smoked oak. Like if you're used to smoked oak in your bourbon, like kind of the same thing. Um, wow. so, <laughs> yeah. so you could have gone the bourbon cabin, but you went cross. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, those, I, I think, uh, re regrets. Yeah, I think the yeah, exactly. Um, I think the fact that you can um take that first point of sense, and even if it isn't blowing from the right direction, when you get close, take a yeah, absolutely yeah, engage it, with literally it. Like, yeah yeah. No, you can get up close and personal, and the other thing I think that's really that stands out is most of the buildings especially in our in our climate you know and, and how we build are are grounded they're either built on a pier and beam foundation or, or they're built on a on a concrete foundation and so maybe ubiquitous here it's, it's, it's primarily a concrete slab on grade with, with perimeter beams and here right we're, we're trying to use as little um, concrete as possible and, and this was designed with helical piers in mind but due to their depth and due to the rocky nature of the soil rocky not in the sense of like limestone rock but alluvial large kind uh, of river river yep. rock that kind of falls behind we, we weren't able to get kind of the full rated depth and so we were able to put a little bit of concrete in there to stabilize the the piers but that's the other thing to really to look for on the outside is that it, it sits a little bit above relies on some cantilevers of the cross laminated timbers across like a steel a steel beam so it already oh, awesome. has a as a as a yeah. different kind of effect. So something, I, uh, yeah. it's so a fairly light touch. It's yeah, a, and yeah. So Greg and I were in architecture school together. So yeah, and one of the, I mean, there's a lot of references to architects that Frank and I love here. But I, I, have you ever heard of a uh, Glenn Merkit, Adrian? Oh yeah, I've met Glenn and studied <laughs> with him. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a joke, knowing that you're in Australia. But like, uh, yeah, that just crossed my mind being like. Oh yeah, like one of the uh, foremost Australian architects. Yeah, this is this is our gesture to the down under. Adrian is uh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> thinking about th thinking about Glenn Merkit was actually it's like oh yeah, like because we uh, yeah, it's like we have a Glenn Merkit monograph and it's all these beautiful yeah. volumes up on these like really light foundations touching the land really yeah. lightly. It's very much Glenn's wheelhouse of 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 design. You know, this just floating it just slightly above the landscape and, and being light touch you know, working with everything that's with nature. Yeah. And especially in heating and cooling and stuff like that as well. So we've we've arrived at the house. We've got everybody lined up now and they're sniffing the siding. <laughs> but also the tactility of that, of the cork finish on the outside. People are going to ask the question, how's this going to wear? Like, what's this going to be? like in 10 years and 50 years what's it going to be like yeah so the the cork i mean some of it has already been up for you know about 18 months for a while like mm -hmm. now because like it, construction really took a while and i did a lot of the initial like cork install like most of the this kind of the walls that you'll see facing yep. coming in like i installed a lot of those with you know kind of with help here and there but i wanted to kind of get my hands dirty and like, you know, experience the material, but all that stuff has really silvered out. It comes out and it's basically a dark chocolate brown. Mm -hmm. And now it is a silver. There's some amber. There's, you know, some black here and there. But yeah, really, it looks like tree bark because it's tree bark. And yeah, it the cork, I mean, there's corks that have lasted like in it's the same stuff that's in like wine whiskey bottles like i was about to say yeah. yeah there's like it's the exact same stuff it's you know you know when they take that cork bark off the tree they pop out these circular like wine corks and whiskey corks and they have a lot of cork left over and that's what they're taking to make this you know product so yeah but that cork can last for you know 
Yeah, I mean the te the testing that they've done on it, like you're, I mean, basically you're kind of limited to forty five to fifty years, like in terms of a test, like that they can actually uh -huh. simulate. Uh -huh. But there's yeah. corks that have lasted for over, you know, from like the eighteen hundreds that are still yeah. around, like wine bottles, centuries. Yeah, yeah, and they actually use cork. They use cork in the space shuttle. Uh -huh. um or they use like it's it quark's really a, is a an amazing you know amazing material so yeah i mean i i would expect the quark to you know last for the, it, it's going to be here longer than you guys and uh yeah 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 most people who um, come to and, the house it'll it'll outlast them so, and again thinking about it in nature it, like in nature it lasts for 200 to 250 yeah. years yeah so and then think about too the approach that we've used is a is the natural material. Mm -hmm. So unlike a maintenance regime of, of painting a house, you know this the idea here is that it that it's natural. Another inspiration would be the work of Charles Moore and the Sea Ranch is a really good precedent yeah. for this. And maybe that's a good way to segue into the building yeah. because like those projects, wood is is featured prominently and in, in, in natural light. Yeah, and having seen photos of inside, it is a joy. Like it is, I don't know what it's like to live in, but Greg can tell us that. But it's, it's, it's incredible the way the light falls across the timber, the the the, the shadows and the shapes and stuff. I think it's brilliant. So tell me about that. So we come through the door. What are we going to see first? Yeah, when you come up to the door, so there's this, you know, Frank and I both love, you know, Japanese, like, you know, traditional Japanese architecture and the mm -hmm. manifestations of, you know, traditional Japanese architecture in modern, in modern context. So you come up and you'll step off of a large limestone and onto a steel grate, you know, a steel grate front porch. That's uh -huh. like, so you're actually kind of like floating. So it's kind of emphasizing this fact that this is a, you know, the, off the ground the house is floating off the ground. Uh, yeah. And you walk through a door and then you're in a and a little entry vestibule that has no kind of windows that are like directly in front of you. Yeah. So the idea like, you know, Charles Moore or thinking about other, you know, another like house that we looked at really early on was like the, the Roby house, like a Frank Lloyd mm -hmm. Wright you know, house. Mm -hmm. And where it's like, okay, like in this entry, like you have a very like, you, 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 you see a couple of views here, but it's kind of the most, like it's the, it's one of the darker areas in the house. Yeah. And yeah. you circulate, you know, and then you're kind of in there and yeah, you've got a piece of cross laminated timber that's in front of you. That's just used as a partition and this cross, you know, the, the woods kind of all around you, you see this curved kind of like interior opening, this interior like aperture that's kind of hinting at the kitchen kind of turning around the corner. So yeah, just like presenting the, you know, the material, you know, the material to you get, you know, having that first like whiff of the smell the curved openings was something that I'd seen in another cross laminated timber project where they're like, oh, like the routers that cut the cross laminated timber, it's actually like easier for them to make a curve than like a 90 degree. Because oh, right. Yeah, of course. Because yeah, so, it's a router. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, little things like that. And the curves, curves are also a motif that we kind of use like throughout the project where the, there's a little like overhang, like as you come in the front porch, that curve is that overhang cross laminated timber and there's a curve there. On the inside, there's a light shelf and there's a curve that's cut there. And all those things were cut at the factory. Like all of those curves or like those weren't things we did on site. Those were all kind of cut at the factory. So, uh, yeah, so this kind of layer of like, you know, experiential themes that we're kind of introducing there. Go ahead, Frank. And especially like we always want to like, there are so many times where I feel like you're really interested in the building being a teaching tool. Mm -hmm. And so to always make present 
as many things about the material or about the nature of the construction, like leave them raw, leave them exposed, make them, make anyone who comes to the house curious just by virtue of not being what you're expected to see. Yeah. Be okay. Be different. And let's talk about why it's different. I like yeah. that. As you say, it's almost like an educational journey, but it, what it does is it makes curiosity and curiosity actually is, you know, the first step in education. And I think that's really lovely. And it keeps a rawness and an honesty about it whilst it's beautifully presented. Yeah. Like really kind of, yeah, expo- you know, showing the process, like just being like, no, this is what this, you know, this is how this thing is made. Mm-hmm. These are the elements that are holding it together in that entry. Like, like Frank's kind of alluding to this, like there's the screws, there's like these big six and a half inch screws with a pretty decent size head. And you can see them like kind of going 12 inches on center, like on the ceiling, about seven feet above your head. And they're there. And then also along that, this kind of light shelf thing, there's also a lap joint and you can see the lap joint exposed on end in that entry. If you're yeah, really right. looking at it. And that lap joint is one of the, you know, kind of, it's really the, one of the two most common joints for cross laminated timber. Uh-huh. It's either a lap joint or a spline joint. And right. we close the spline on the back porch and we're exposing a lap in that location. That's the only place you can see the lap. So these um, are things that are really cool. If you're, if you're arriving at the home and you look, we want you to look for these things, for these lap joints and for the spine joint, you know, as you go around, discover them because these guys won't necessarily be there to tell you the whole time what to look for. So take the journey and 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 unearth these pieces and discover them whilst you're enjoying the, you know, the scent, like the smell. And the ah, I, I I'd love for everybody just to have it all to themselves for just one minute and feel all that timber and feel the how it what it does to their heart rate, what it does to their breathing when they can actually center themselves in the space. And that may be tricky on tour with a lot of people there, but everybody will be getting um, it, whether they know it or not. It's whether you can tap into what your subconscious is feeling and and get a sense of that. And then that has a whole nother journey in building biology, et cetera, to your health and wellness, which another you know go back to go back to the cooking and back to the eating it's it's a holistic journey it goes right around in one circle yeah and it all gets back to the yeah might you might not have the house to yourself but it's all about like oh like how does this the experience of being in this house make me feel more connected in nature to connect it to nature yeah make me feel more curious about how my house and where these materials came from connects me to nature it's not something where this house is separating me from nature it's not like trying to like yeah you know drive a barrier between my realm and and the natural realm it's like oh no like this is a place to you know where that connection to nature is something that's is recharging me is something that's like is is recognized as important for you know the home being a place to you know relax and support your health uh, this is this is why right at the start I was saying that you know this is like a home of the future, and this is what, in my experience certainly, and I talk to a lot of people, this is what people are looking for 
and maybe not in this manifestation of it, but in many manifestations of it, they're looking for this connection back to things that they can trust and that are real and that come from nature and they're not products in the in, in the sense everything becomes a product at some point like this but it's actually very tightly tied to its origin and i think that that's wonderful i think that it what it does for humans is is that it feeds them it feeds them it, without them even it, really you, realizing yeah i, I th this is i love this thought and i i'm wondering have you seen wally the the animated movie yeah Oh, a while ago, though, yeah. Yeah, when you when I think about the future, when I think about, like, maybe popular notions about the future, 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> so you've got Eve or Eva, and she's, like, the shiny, white, minimalist mm -hmm. robot. And you have Wally, who's living in, you know, right, a, a wasteland and is treasuring a small plant. Yeah. And then you have the rest of humanity, which is living off of food products. And I like to think of, you know, from an architectural standpoint, right, that we always want to challenge the concept of sterility, you know, or, or everything being uh, perfectly controlled, you know, and to kind of tap into the biophilic like, conversation, yeah. like, yeah, look to plants, plants have answers, and let plants inform aesthetics and style, that we don't have to take a hermetically sealed or sterile approach to beauty, or to presenting a space or preparing a space to be a product for people to live in. Like this, I, I really love the idea of thinking about uh, the values behind presenting a, a home whose structure is inherently beautiful, but maybe not as tectonic as, you know, some, some of the approach to exposing structure can be like really like filigree, you yes. know, like, but what if in this case it's, it's, these are futuristic or, or pragmatic in the manufacturing of the panels, right? And in their installation in terms of reduced time. But if left exposed, have all of the inherent natural characteristics that make them make them beautiful. I think I think that this is like let's say again, it's part of the future of housing and for way more than its its buildability, it's for what it actually delivers back to the humans that occupy it. And also the environment that it sits in as well. Like you were saying, like as you approach the house, you know, like it, it blends in with its landscape as such. It's of its landscape, you know, the silvering and the silvering working together and the other colours that it naturally forms, creating a palette as it as you come towards it. This is, this is very in touch with how we can create things. And I go, there'll always be a, you know, a multitude of different styles, a multitude of different building methods, et cetera, et cetera. This is one of them that goes beyond just shelter. It goes beyond, and, and it creates its own kind of beauty in that as well, which I think is really fabulous. And the experience of of engagement is one of getting centered and you know you were saying about you you step off the sandstone uh, block over onto the the metal grid that 
obviously allows all the stuff to fall off your feet and all those kinds of things before it travels inside and it goes back to the nature of the cabin and then you step inside and I love the fact again that you were saying about you know in that sort of Frank Lloyd Wrightish way of this is the darkened little vestibule that you get to then deliver yourself into the house with again great sort of cues of architecture and then the way the light falls in and everything else comes to life from that point. I think it's going to be an amazing journey and for people who listen to be really conscious of how that journey will unfold. And so for all our listeners, ultimately, please reach out, ask questions, get more information, you know, get on to Greg and Frank and say, okay, so tell me more about how we can work with these kinds of things. If you're looking at building, if you're looking at developing something yourself, because it can deliver way beyond the expectation into your own health and all the health of the workers and right from the ground up. It's amazing, amazing journey. Really, really cool. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate that, Adrian. Hey, guys, we will post all your socials and things as well as how to get in contact with you. And so we do really encourage listeners to give us feedback on A, the podcast, but B, on this house in particular like go and tell us about your journey in it like send us an email get in touch because we would love to continue conversations like this around this style of thing because it is part of our future and it's part of our children's future and their children's future you know it's, it's something that goes on and on it's got legacy effect and i think that that's really amazing when you have uh that responsibility to building and design that it has legacy effect okay. guys thank you yeah. so much for your time absolutely yeah yeah look forward to meeting you again and uh seeing the home take care yeah. cheers guys take care thank you. in interviewing all the architects for the aia austin homes tour I also have had this amazing opportunity to interview Casey Woods. She's the photographer who has taken each of these homes. And going there and her experience and everything else that she has found from these homes, as well as it's going to be the photos that you are going to see of the house when you go on the tour. Or if you don't go on the tour and you just listen to this, you'll be able to look them up on the AIA website. I wanted to talk to Casey and understand a bit about her and then understand how she saw each house as an outsider, but someone who's an architectural photographer who goes in a lot of beautiful homes. So Casey's background, she started photography and film, so and then she's transitioned to digital, which most people would go, oh, right, that's what happens to everybody. It isn't. A lot of people start in digital and never have moved off it. That's the only place they'll be. She also teaches at Austin Community College, and she teaches, takes a class in architectural photography. And I am thrilled to have her here. Casey, welcome to Talk Thank Design. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. So I want to kick off this with a little bit for the photography nerds here. The one that the ones that go, oh, so what did she shoot that on? And how how did she do that? Did she light it? Didn't she light it? You know, all those things that people have no idea about in photography, how you capture what you capture. Or they've got an idea about it, how they would do it. And I want to just sort of go, okay. Will you be happy to share some of your little tips and secrets along the way as we go? But just also your setup now, you know, the rig that you use. 
Yeah, for sure. I shoot and most of the tour I shot with a Nikon mirrorless system. I have the Nikon Z7 Mark II, full Nikon lenses. I was Nikon film and I've just continued with Nikon through digital. Use tilt shift lenses for a lot of the architecture and and you know different primes and zooms. I also shoot with the Fuji GFX system and some things were shot on that. I shoot a lot tethered. I've gotten either tethered to my laptop or wirelessly tethered to an iPad. So if the architects or clients are there and frankly, just for my assistant and I, that there's a bigger screen to be really looking and reviewing things, seeing what little, you know, what things we need to adjust or change or what we can do. The wireless tethering has been really nice because it's a little bit faster to move, especially like in the evening with changing light. Yeah, tripod, always on a tripod. Lighting, I carry with me. I carry more than I need all the time and hardly ever pull it out of the car, especially with these. I mean, these uh, beautiful residential properties are, you know, built the light, the windows, the quality of the light inside was you know, integral in the design. And so that's part of what I'm capturing and usually don't, you know, want or need to light. If I ever use a little bit of light at times, it is, it's only to make it still look like the way it looks with your eye. It's to get the camera to read it the way that your eye sees it so that nothing ever looks lit. So yeah, I have a couple of little uh, battery strobes that you know, I can put in like around a corner or something if we need to. Sure, sure. Yeah. And what time of day did you shoot most of these? Or was it a range? It was a range. It was usually, I mean, it kind of depended on how much time I could get and, you know, schedules Mm -hmm. of things. I mean, I tried to be there early morning or evening or both. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were quite a few when we did a split day, we would shoot in the morning, take a little break and then come back in the evening. Um, just to be able to get that nice light in both, in both ways. I tried to talk to the architect and the homeowners about, cause I, I like to scout projects, but I didn't, wasn't able to fully scout all of these. And so the directionality of the house and when certain areas got the best Mm -hmm. light, but a lot of them, it was, it was a couple of, it was a couple of visits, but not all. Sometimes it was just, it was like, it gets great light in the morning. So we were there kind of morning through midday, early afternoon. I love it. I love it. There you go. That's for all the photography nerds. That's yeah. how it got set up. And I think it's really important because it does, it, it just the way you describe certain things then I'm going, oh, I like that. Yeah, like I get yeah. that. And certainly every house, because, you know, their box is filled with light in the air. They change during the seasons and during the days. Yeah. Like it depends yeah. on cloudy day, sunny day, summer, yeah. winter, fall. You know, it makes a difference as to how the light will come through the home. And it, yeah, it really does. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like and and taking that into account to get the best of the house and then everybody's schedule because somebody lives in every one of these. So it's not like they're sitting empty waiting for you. And that was the thing with shooting for the tour because it's a pretty tight turnaround. I mean, from uh-huh. <laughs> selection of the houses to the architects know there was about a month to get them all photographed. And June isn't the best time to be taking photos. 
in Texas necessarily. I mean, but you know, like we had some hazy days and we, and you just kind of, you kind of work to with go. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's brilliant. Well, let's go from there to kicking off. The first house that we're going to talk about is going to be Cross Cabin. And that is Muntau and Greg mm-hmm. and Frank. And just that home as an experience. And you take it away from there. Tell me about all the little pieces that caught your eye and what happened and the, the yeah. journey to the house as well. Cause you're going to, you did the same journey as everybody else. You arrived via the driveway or mm-hmm. arrived via the footpath. So just give me a quick overview on that and then tell me about shooting it. That'd be fantastic. It's such a special little place. It's a little like ADU unit mm-hmm. thing that right built behind a main house and they can talk about this, but it definitely seems, you know, like a labor of love and, you know, almost an experiment that they wanted to know if they could do, you know, the sustainability, which I can't speak mm-hmm. on as well as they will, but it's, you can feel it and see it. And then, you know, meeting them and their passion for it. And it was just, it was just great. It's so warm and inviting. I mean, all the wood on the inside and the way that the light bounces off of it, it's just, it's just so golden and, and lovely. I I love the use of space, the way it feels inside. So it's quite yeah. a tight space. So it's it's not it's quite a tight space. It's but not it big. It's like an ADU. So yeah, but the layout of it is really lovely. Like it it feels. I mean, yeah. it feels bigger than I than I feel like it looks in the photos. Really trying to show. I mean, in all of them, something that I really want to do in houses is show the connection of space, so you can uh-huh. kind of get a sense. We know when you're in there and you see something like how how the spaces you know connect to each other and flow and and the light was just lovely. This was one, I mean, windows on both sides and then this huge glass door at the yeah, back. One, and one facade of it is glass, isn't it? It's like, all glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just lovely. And the the color toning of it, very natural landscape, you know, mulch. You've got trees and then you've got this like brown building. It just, it just feels like it sits in that spot. Perfectly. When I was, when I was talking to the guys, they were saying, cause the outside of this house is wrapped in cork is mm-hmm. that it actually has this scent. The cork actually smells something like sweet bourbon when you get up mm. close to it. And then inside the house, they were saying about how the timber has the scent of linseed oil and you can you can scent the the whole house once you go in it transforms you with scent as well as like visually being in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just feels it's a very calming space mm. and like there it has nice like angles it doesn't have there's some like there's some rounded corners instead of you know sharp th- 90 yeah. degree angles on in some spaces but yeah, it just feels, it, it feels, it's a really lovely space to be in and, and, and so one be around. Of the, one of the things the guys told me is, is they were evoking the reason it's called Cabin is because it was from the woods. It was like that. And mm-hmm. so in, in this setting, it's not so much in the woods. Can you imagine this if it was sitting in the woods as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It would just be like it just like came from the ground and appeared. I think I is what I would, it. you know. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. Well, that was exciting to bring the AIA Homes Tour to you. It is such an amazing event. If you've never been and you've listened to the podcast, make a trip to Austin. It's something special. If you have been and this has helped you understand the homes and get an idea of the brief and how the architect and even how Casey has approached the home, I hope that it's been a great journey. And please leave me a comment, subscribe to the podcast and enjoy the creative content. Take care. Thanks from me. Thank you.